my husband is a stay-at-home dad and he is not included in a lot of these you know our local facebook group for our community it's for moms only uh are we also have like a mother's group that he's not included in um but he's the one raising my children and so he needs access to this information uh and so winnie is a place for everyone who raises children and needs access to information uh whether that's a mom a dad a grandparent or a child care provider i think a lot of parents of elementary age kids don't think of daycare as an option because historically it it really wasn't um and it is and and these providers are meeting this need so we're you know at Winnie we're just trying to get the word out that this is an option for families you know it may not work for every family but it is an option to consider you know if you are considering dropping out of the workforce or you know a, an arrangement that may be way out of your budget like hiring a private teacher uh group childcare is a good option and a lot of these providers will help support kids who are distance learning Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adesio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the Mother Honestly podcast. I'm your host for today's podcast, Kristen Hall, graciously coming from Motor City Woman Studios, the host of the Mother Honestly podcast. And I'm so excited to have with me Sarah Moskoff, the CEO and co-founder of Winnie, which is a marketplace for childcare built on powerful data systems and backed by a trusted community of parents and providers. And one of the most necessary things right now, I think, in the entire universe is what you're doing, Sarah. So thank you so much for being a guest. Go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about you in your own words and about winning. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I'll, I'll give a super quick overview of my background. I have worked in uh, technology my whole career as a product manager. I worked at Google and Twitter and most recently at, at a startup Postmates. Uh, and uh, while I was at Postmates, I had my first daughter. Uh, and that is sort of when I had this O-S-H-I-T moment uh, where I realized that I needed childcare to take care of this child. Uh, and there were a lot of kind of needs and responsibilities I now had as a working parent, a working mom, uh, and not a lot of support out there. Um, and so I was just talking with a colleague of mine at Postmates, who was now my co-founder, Ann Halsell. Uh, and we realized that there was an opportunity to bring a lot of the technology and great software engineering and engineers that we have worked with to the problem of childcare, to the, the parenting space. And so we quit our jobs. We started Winnie in 2016. And Winnie, as you said, is a marketplace for finding childcare. We have now over 200,000 licensed daycares and preschools on our platform. And our platform connects parents with all kinds of information about these providers like whether they have open spaces and their prices and reviews and descriptions of their programs. And parents can then contact providers they're interested in through our platform and enroll in their programs. That's awesome. And I think it's something you know people are looking kind of 
they ask friends, they're trying to figure out, hey, what do you do for childcare? What does this person do? What's the internet telling you? But you guys really did a great job of kind of bringing that all together so it's in one spot so parents can find it. And I think, you know, especially now we've hit, we've hit a wall of COVID has really kind of forced, you know, an even bigger framework and, and microscope on what we're doing for childcare. What has that outreach been? Because I know a lot of people with schools changing and all of these different kind of parameter changes, what are you seeing in this new kind of COVID era of parents struggling to find childcare? Yeah, so I think if anything, COVID has shown us how much we rely on childcare uh, and how, you know, I think it, I've been yelling this from the rooftops for the past four and a half years that childcare is so essential and we need to pay our uh, childcare providers more. Uh, and we need funding to do this because parents are already stretched too thin trying to pay for childcare. Um, and now finally people are, are taking notice. Um, so we, we saw, you know, in March and April when stay at home orders were kind of rolled out across the country that demand did drop. Parents were not searching for childcare as much at that time. Uh, and it was really just a, families who, who had to work, essential workers or others who, who needed to go leave the home to work. Um, but in May, that really started to change. Childcare providers opened back up for the most part in all states. They're now allowed to operate uh, and, and serve kids, you know, age zero to five and, and in many states all the way up to, to 12 or 13. Um, and parents are really flocking back to childcare. Um, and now we see kind of this new demand, which is parents of elementary age kids. So our market was traditionally families with kids age zero to five, and then, you know, kids go to school. Uh, but now with a lot of schools not being on site this fall, uh, parents who relied on, on public school, not just for education, but also as childcare are now looking into their group childcare options uh, and trying to, to figure out something that can work and, and allow them to go back to work or if they're working from the home, actually get work done uh, and have their kids, you know, supported with their distance learning. And that's a huge shift that we've seen definitely in the elementary school. We know a lot of moms just from the feedback that we're getting, you know, are terrified for some, especially single moms. It's how do you choose between having childcare, which came from schools, to going back to work and trying to understand you know, how am I going to make both of these things work? And so especially in that finding childcare for the elementary school age, what are you seeing and what are you encouraging those parents with that? Because that is a new niche group that we're seeing that hasn't been, you know, sometimes there's latchkey, there's after school care either provided by the district, or you could get, you know, a, a high school or a college age student to kind of help bridge that gap between when you got home from work. It's a brand new playing field now. What are you seeing and what can we recommend to some of our moms who are ripping their hairs out? Terrified. Yeah. So it's been amazing. We surveyed our, our network of 200,000 providers and 75% of them actually said they were willing to take on older kids, elementary age kids and help support their distance learning. So we were pretty overwhelmed by that statistic. So we quickly rolled out uh, a site. If you go to winnie.com, you see a call out at the top of the page for this um, where we've collected all the providers who are supporting school-age kids and have space for them. Uh, and it's, it's amazing how many are, are kind of pivoting their business to take on this new demand. Everyone from small in-home providers who can take a couple school-age kids along with their existing kids 
uh, to bigger centers who are opening like full on learning labs to support distance learning. Uh, Childcare providers across the board are seeing this need and are accommodating it. And they have also lost business because of the pandemic. There was a lot of churn in the industry when they had to close and parents pulled kids out of their programs. And so they are kind of allowing for school-age kids also to help their businesses because they need the income. They need the, the new uh, families in their programs. So it's kind of a win-win all around. I think a lot of parents of elementary age kids don't think of daycare as an option because historically it, it really wasn't. Um, and it is, and, and these providers are meeting this need. So we're, you know, at Winnie, we're just trying to get the word out that this is an option for families. You know, it may not work for every family, but it is an option to consider, you know, if you are considering dropping out of the workforce or, you know, a, an arrangement that may be way out of your budget, like hiring a private teacher, uh, group childcare is a good option. And a lot of these providers will help support kids who are distance learning. I love that. We'll make sure that we include definitely on our outreach when we do this podcast, the link to Winnie, because this is such a huge thing. I can't tell you how many conversations I have a day, both in you know my corporate job and my mother, honestly, with my mother honestly had on of, you know, parents are really scared and they're not sure what to do. And I think, you know, to your point, you mentioned that daycare used to be historically for the zero to five age range, and now it's changing to accommodate, um, you know, elementary to even middle school kids. And I think, you know, we have a lot of college kids as well that are now not going back to campus. It gives them the opportunity to connect with some of these centers and, and you know, find jobs or be involved with that. So it's an interesting dichotomy in what we're seeing of this change in childcare. Um, but it hits on some of the basis, and I know you've been shouting it for the past four and a half years, is that childcare is essential to the economy and to working mothers and working families. You know, have, speak to that a little bit more because you've had great, you know, almost five years of research just on this topic alone. You know, childcare is essential. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons it's kind of been in the shadows is that it's women who disproportionately take on the burden and therefore the work is undercompensated. It's, uh, it's just undervalued. Um, and we are seeing that now also with the pandemic and where we actually are, are running a big survey that we're gonna share the results soon, but it, it basically shows that, you know, it's women who are dropping out of the workforce. It's women who are stepping back in work now when childcare is hard to come by. Uh, and so this, this will certainly set women back. Um, and that, that's, another reason I'm so passionate about helping families find childcare because we, we believe it, it will help keep women, especially in the workforce, uh, when, when this resource is easier to come by, more affordable, more accessible, higher quality, um, all those things help, help keep women uh, working. And also what I love on your website is you guys have a lot of really great and poignant parental discussions about how, you know, what's going on. And so it's, um, you know, how do you support distance learning? Why doesn't your child like the color? Um, best subscription boxes. You guys put out a lot of really great content for parents that goes over and above just, okay, I found a child care center for that. But these are some of still the topics that go on. You know, tell me a little bit more about how that developed and what you're really finding in providing these additional resources to parents. Yeah, so we have a, a community discussion product on Winnie, um, and it, it was kind of an artifact of 
our original, when we first built Winnie, we didn't really know what we were going to help with. So we built a community and we kind of saw what parents would talk about. Uh, but it's evolved into this really interesting community that has both parents and childcare providers together in one place, uh, talking about topics related to raising kids. And, and we see our community discuss, you know, everything from, you know, how do I potty train a toddler to, you know, why, how do I get my child to sit in color uh, was a recent discussion topic. Um, and what's interesting is that the childcare providers who are oftentimes like, you know, essentially experts in this stuff, like this is what they do day in and day out, are now in a forum with parents to discuss some of these uh, common parenting questions and concerns. And I think that's what makes our community unique. I mean, there's parenting communities all over the place. Um, but what is, I think, unique about Winnie's community is that it is also a place for childcare providers to weigh in on a lot of these topics. Uh, and they don't have a lot of places to do that. They don't have the same, you know, moms groups that you might find on Facebook for parents. Um, and the other thing I should point out about Winnie is we, we aim to be incredibly inclusive. And I think that's really important. Uh, you know, moms are not the only ones raising kids. I, you know, my, my husband is a stay at home dad, and he is not included in a lot of these, you know, our local Facebook group for our community. It's for moms only. Uh, our, we also have like a mother's group that he's not included in. Um, but he's the one raising my children. And so he needs access to this information. Uh, and so Winnie is a place for everyone who raises children and needs access to information, uh, whether that's a mom, a dad, a grandparent, or a childcare provider. That's an excellent point. I love that you touched on it. And thank you for being transparent in that. Is a lot of people don't necessarily say that their spouse is the one that's staying home or their partner is the one that allowing them to work. I, it's a very similar case in mind that you know, even during this kind of COVID pandemic, my husband's an attorney, but he's not as busy right now as I am in kind of my manufacturing corporate job so that he is doing the bulk of, um, you know, the childcare pickup and a lot of the necessity that falls on him, but we don't discuss it. It's just like swept under the rug. So I like that we can have these conversations that, you know, it's becoming more and more normal to see stay at home dads being a stronger force and we need to recognize that and we need to welcome it into the community because I think still sometimes it's just this very linear it's moms only it's all mom's club and it's not it'd be grandmothers aunts uncles anyone you know we're all kind of in this together one area I'd love to pick your brain on and it you know hits close home for me as well as our social media director Leah is she and I are both uh, parents of children with special needs and so during COVID it's kind of hitting a different one where we're not seeing the social services that we had through the school district are offered in a different uh, manner now. So we're trying to adapt to that. Have you seen anything or come across anything in your experience of, you know, we're, we're changing a lot of how we're catering to elementary school children, middle school, all of that. But um, we're finding that there's a lot that's not being done to continue to support those children that are in that require special additional need services. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a huge concern of mine. I think there's so much conversation now about how everything is shifting online and isn't it so great that there's all these new ed tech tools that can help children. Uh, and when we think about our youngest learners, which is, you know, my primary focus as a product that serves 
parents of kids ages zero to five primarily, um, and also learners who have special needs. Like this, a lot of the stuff is is really not uh, something that that a online Zoom can replace. You know, I have one of my children has has speech therapy, and we've been doing it for the past since March over Zoom. Uh, and you know, it's not the same. <laughs> I'm glad she can continue to make progress and, and do something, but like that is something where you, you do really need to work on it in person. Um, and we actually, that's one of the topics that keeps coming up on Winnie. I think a lot of children, uh, young children do have some form of speech therapy and it's, you know, in many cases provided by uh, the, the public school system. Um, and it is hard to to do that in a virtual setting, not impossible. Uh, and, and there are some things you can do and work on, but it isn't the same. Um, and I can only imagine uh, for, you know, other special needs, how difficult it would be to to do those things virtually and get access to the same resources uh, when you're not, you know, present in a school environment. I would really like to see the conversation shift to how we actually reopen and resume these activities uh, and not, you know, how do we reopen bars and restaurants, which, you know, it's not, they're not like bad for society, but I don't think they're the same importance as raising the next generation of humans. Like this should have been the first thing that we tackled, not an afterthought, how do we reopen schools? Um, because there are so many consequences to not having our schools open in person uh, that are just an afterthought. Exactly. I think it's, you know, thank you for sharing that about your daughter. I think it's even, um, you know, Lee and I both try and talk about it more that we can just to kind of share that, it's, uh, you know, sometimes parents feel stigmatized about sharing their own experiences and what they're going through and that it's a you know, a reflection of their parenting. So we always appreciate when people kind of share that it's okay to have speech delays, it's okay to have developmental delays, it's okay to have occupational delays. You know, it's a normal part of childhood for a certain percentage of children and to talk about it that way. So I think for you for sharing, but you hit on a really good point overall is that, you know, schools are just like, eh, you know, we're going to figure it out, whatever, they'll be fine, they're adaptable. And I think we've put way too much emphasis um, through, I think, a lot of the politics in that lately. People are like, they'll be fine. They'll just adapt. They're going to sit in front of a computer for six hours and be fine. And I don't know very many adults that can sit straight in front of a computer on Zoom calls for six hours. Um, so are you really encouraging parents with some of the virtual learning, the pods or any of that that you're seeing? You know, how do we break up this like monotony of six hours of Zoom calls for a, four, uh, for a fourth grader. Yeah, I mean, I think it is so individual and we are seeing so many different solutions across the board. Uh, but one of the things we do see with providers who are we're really helping guide uh, supporting kids who are virtual learning is like, you have to have breaks in the day. Ideally, those breaks include physical activity outside, uh, and that is part of the day, similar to you know what they would have in a structured classroom environment where they have recess and breaks. Uh, build those into your distance learning day uh, so that kids are not just sitting. It, it's like you said, it's impossible for an adult to do. So it's, it's not reasonable to expect anything close to that for a child. Um, and you know, build as much kind of 
structure that you can to mirror a school day, you know, have a, have a workstation that they can go to have, you know, pack a lunch in the morning uh, so that it's ready and, and that it's there uh, and that it, it feels a little more structured than a weekend day. I think the more uh, we can build that into the day for our kids, uh, the, the easier the day goes, but also like the, the easier it will be to transition back to a school environment. School will come back. This isn't forever. Uh, but uh, I think it will be an adjustment. Um, and so kind of thinking of ways to make that easier for kids when they have to adjust back. I think that's, you know, some really great tips. And I actually just wrote down and it, as soon as you said it, like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, I absolutely should be packing a lunch the night before or the day of, just like I would on a normal school day. And it was like, I hadn't even considered that element of what's coming in the next couple of weeks that I'm, you know, I just feel so out of sorts with everything that's going on, but you, you are bringing up a good point that like, we will return to it. What are some of the things that we would do just as if we were in that normal environment to allow them to operate and have similar structure to the school day. One of the other points I wanted to hit on before we conclude, because I think it's, it's so relevant is that, you know, you talk about with childcare being essential and needing to pay childcare workers more and funding being essential. From a policy perspective, how do we make those changes? And this is like the big, you know, how do we save the post office? There's so many facets to those questions, but from your research, you know, how do we make this, we're beginning to have those dialogues that it's not just, you know, an invisible workload that's fallen to mothers. It's not just something that needs to be undervalued, but how, what conversations do we reach out to legislators? How do we start to change the rhetoric around how important childcare is? So number one thing is vote for Joe Biden this November. We actually have, you know, federal funding for childcare, for, for subsidies for families to pay for childcare. Right now that goes to the very, very lowest income families. Uh, who qualify for those subsidies. And uh, there are also not that many providers that accept those subsidies. Um, we need to expand that. So more families need to qualify for subsidies, uh, a lot more families. Um, and we need to make it a lot easier for providers to accept subsidy payments, which means like they shouldn't be getting their payment months after they provided the service, stuff like that. Uh, and so our, our only hope at that is to put Joe Biden in, into office and he's, you know, already shared a plan uh, to do that. Um, and so I think, you know, we're on the same page with him there that he's going to make it more affordable for parents to access childcare for those zero to five years. Uh, and then, you know, it's not just going to be federal funding parents who are working professional jobs, you know, they have employers who can potentially help subsidize and fund childcare as well. Uh, you know, instead of like, I, I, another thing I sing from the rooftops is like employers, instead of giving uh, a gym membership or, you know, the new latest thing that I see in the news all the time is like mental health benefits, which yes, it's very important, but like, I wouldn't have half the mental, pro mental health problems that I have right now if I had childcare <laughs> for my kids and I could get a break and a, a, just a moment to myself. So uh, yes, employers, uh, think about 
when you're thinking about benefits, uh, think about a, a stipend or subsidizing childcare. Um, and then, uh, I, I mean, I think also families uh, should be thinking about this in a little bit of a, a longer term sense. I see a lot of women, especially saying, well, you know, I, I'm just, my money is just going to the daycare provider. And so why am I even working? Because I make enough to pay for daycare. And what's the point? I'd, I'd rather just stay home with my kids. Uh, but childcare gets a lot cheaper as your children get older. It's the most expensive when you have an infant. Um, and then when you have a toddler, it's less expensive because providers can have more toddlers in their program. Um, and preschool are even less expensive. And then when they enter the public school system, hopefully it's it's mostly free. Um, and so you need to be thinking about the long-term impact uh, on your earnings of dropping out of the workforce, not just for those very early years. Um, and then to help support parents in, in making a decision in those early years, like we need better paid parental leave um, so that you don't feel like you have to choose between you know, nursing your baby and uh, putting food on the table, um, basic stuff like that. And, and again, like, I think it goes back to policy. Uh, and that is why it's so important to have someone in office that understands that and is going to make that a priority. Direct theory just gave me goosebumps. I'm so excited. That was fabulous amount of information for our parents on what we can do. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. It has to be someone in office that's helping support the initiatives and the endeavors that we need and to make childcare more affordable. And it's a great point too, I think, for people to reevaluate, you know, the, the benefits that we've had traditionally in with employers and corporate world need to change. They're not adjusted for where we are. And I think you bring up a great point that do we look at subsidizing childcare as a benefit? Do we make a la carte servicing for benefits? So if I don't have children, maybe I do want the gym membership, but if I have children, maybe I don't want the gym membership in the mental health care because all of that would alleviate and give me some time to myself. You hit on a really great point. Sarah, how can people continue to follow you, continue to follow what you're doing? We love you at Winnie. It's such a great thing. How can our listeners connect with you more? So definitely check out Winnie.com. It's free. Uh, you can search for childcare for free. Uh, there's no, never any cost to parents whatsoever. Uh, you can follow me personally on, on Twitter. I'm at SM on Twitter or I'm at SMosk on Instagram. Perfect. And we'll include those in our show notes. Sarah, thank you so much for being a guest. I can't wait to see what else you and Winnie are up to in the coming months. And I look forward to hearing you speak more at our upcoming Mother of the Summit in October, where I know this is going to be critical for a lot of moms and parents and stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home partners, everyone under the sun who's helping with childcare this year. Thank you for all that you're doing. And thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you. Please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.